Thanks for tuning in to Toffee Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerty, and in this episode we're talking to Steven Costantino from Return of the Jedi about his time on the set of a movie that was then known as Blue Harvest, as well as his portrayal of a Gamorrean guard. This is Totten Bay 94, Episode 2, Stephen Cosentino. All right, I am joined today by Mr. Stephen Costantino, Gamorrean guard, Return of the Jedi actor, friend of Corey D. Williams, musician, all-around great guy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. I'm so glad we were able to do this. We've been talking about this for a while, and I'm, I'm excited to get it all recorded and all, all down for posterity. So thank you for joining uh, the show today. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So let's just jump right into it and talk about how you got involved with Return of the Jedi. It's a, it's a great story just because it's so different than a lot of the audition processes you hear normally, and, and I'd love for you to go into it. Well, I, um, I met a gentleman, you Van Patten, I was looking for a job and I, I, I went to this office and uh, they sell office supplies and you <laughs> Van Patten and his partner had the company and you became very instrumental because not only was he a, an actor, but he was a martial arts uh, teacher mm-hmm. and a great one at that and, and a life, kind of a life coach in a way, you know, back then when I think about it. And I became friends with him and I started doing martial arts and he found that I was into music, kind of heard what I was doing as a guitar player and songwriter and singer. And he said, you should meet Corey D. Williams, one of my students who happens to be Billy D. Williams' son. He plays bass. and I, I just have a feeling you guys would hit it off. And he had taken me up to Billy's, Billy D.'s place where Corey was living at the time. And it was instantaneously, we sat down and no looking back. It was just mm-hmm. instant. He likes funk and I'm, I'm, I have all kinds of styles. And he's well-versed in music. He's from New York originally and is brought up with all the great music. But he, 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 mes- he likes funk more than anything, slapping. And, and the combination of that was very powerful at the time. And also Billy D. Williams... Always said we were alternative before alternative, and at that point there was no looking back because we just took took the garage over and made it our, our rehearsal studio and kind of recording studio, and we just have all kinds of people just drawn to us, singers, drummers. It just went on and on, and we kept just growing with that. And we at first we were called Incognito, and then we were called Atmosphere. And all we did is play music. We lived ate and slept music mm-hmm. every day and it was an incredible time and of course all kinds of talent used to come through billy's house and kind of come in and embrace us you know like verdine white from earth and the fire and then and, and um martha reeves mm-hmm. just came up and so we, we a lot of people were behind us and loved what we we're doing and we were so intense on it i mean one day we had the garage open and we lock in. At the time, our, our drummer was um, J-Dub, Johnny Walters. And the three of us would lock into this this 
triad, so to speak, just a vortex of music. And we were playing so hard and for like an hour, just locked in, looking at each other in the garage. The door was open in the summer. And when we stopped, we turned around. There's like 30 people watching us. We didn't even know they were there. (laughs) You know, that's how it was with us. And getting to Star Wars, uh, one day during rehearsal, Billy D had come in. And we went to Heidegger. We were getting better and better, and we were mm-hmm. doing a few projects. And Billy D asked Corey, would you come and stand in uh, for Return of the Jedi in Yuma, Arizona? And Corey was a bit adamant because, first of all, we were you know, just having too good of a time, and he's been on movie sets, and it's not easy work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been on other films with his dad. And he was kind of, oh, God, with, you know, in this creative process now. And he was kind of thinking about it. And then they gave me an offer, and him, he couldn't refuse, hmm. and invited me along. And he said, come on, bring guitar, you bring the bass, and you guys play music at night. So I wasn't even hired to be in the movie. I was just going as a guest. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was excited. I knew the magnitude of Star Wars, of course. Right. An empire at that point. Were you a fan already before before oh, you got involved? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was. I was my first sci-fi was 2001: Space Odyssey. I thought it was amazing. I loved the Star Trek series back in the day, and then some of the movies later on. But Star Wars, of course, I saw it on um, I think Broadway in New York when it opened, mm. and I think I, I've never seen a sci-fi with such a such a uh, basic message with interaction of people. It was it had a human quality. And, of course, George Lucas said that uh, he based on a soap opera style, you know, mm-hmm. genre to begin with, the love triangle and all of that. So it was kind of um, groundbreaking, you know, for what it was at that time. So I knew, I knew at that point, all, all the gears of, you know, turning, and it was going to be exciting. And then uh, the time came to go uh, to Arizona. And we picked us up and we got on this private plane. And Billy D hated to fly. Because <laughs> I bring it up because we actually drove back after the shoot to Arizona, which was a really nice time. But um, we get on the plane and uh, Carrie's sitting next to me. Not many of us, just Billy, Corey. And she was reading Dune. And oh, wow. we kind of... We kind of got into it, all the archetypes involved with Star Wars and how it came to be and her take on all the characters and how it was based and how it came to being and how she was involved. And as they grew and understood it more and more. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool, you know. Yeah, of course. And then we, we, we arrived in Arizona on a Sunday in Yuma. And Yuma's a small town. Mm-hmm. You could pass it in a blink of an eye back then. I don't know how much has grown now, but it's really a small town. And I guess back in the day, Sam Peckinpah and great directors have used the landscape because it is like a, it's like the Saharas or something. It's mm-hmm. not like a, it's not like a dry pump spring jazz. It's more like the sand shifting and mountains and they keep evolving and the ecosystem just constantly changing, like the ocean, you know, constantly shifting. And in any case, we get there, and we didn't get to the set yet. We went to the hotel. Of course, it was a Sunday. Everyone was off. So everyone was around the pool, and I was, like, kind of sizing that up. Who's what? Yeah. And the first person I kind of 
figured out was uh, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, because he was standing in the hot tub towering over me. <laughs> and that, that was incredible. Those kind of people, the stories they have told. Mm-hmm. For instance, the way he walked uh, was because he had he had this little instep thing he does, which Chewbacca does in a sense. But he came from, I guess, he had a lot of brothers and sisters, and they weren't that, they didn't have much money, and he would get a lot of hand-me-downs because he was the youngest, and because he was a big, big man, he'd get like shoes too small for him, so that kind of affected his instep the way he walked. Mm-hmm. So little stories like that were pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, just when I thought I couldn't love Carrie Fisher anymore, you tell me she's a Dune fan. So that's a, those are great stories. Uh, when so you got to set, you got acclimated, and you weren't planning on, I guess, being a part of of the set at all. You're just there to kind of take it all in and, and hang out. How did kind of the Gamorrean guard and and joining a part of the actual cast come about? Well, first of all, it was a good drive out there, probably half hour, forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. It was the Sarlacc pit was tied into the wide angle shots. Of course, they didn't have green screen back then, and. Um, it was in a chain link fence. It was like a little metropolis. It was pretty amazing. What a facade. The seats are driving out there. It was pretty amazing. And it was long days because of the sand shifting. And if the wind blew the sand off the barge, or the, I mean, the solid pit, where the skip and barge were, uh, they'd have to redo that. So, you know, a lot of the actors waiting around, a lot of stories to be told. Kenny Baker is an incredible person to hang out with, and uh, Stuart Freeborn. Who created Yoda, one of the creators, who has an illustrious career as well back at Kubrick. And, uh, incredible story. So it was a lot of days sitting out there and being with Billy. We had all the amenities I could ask for. Right. But there's a, there's a time I felt like, well, besides playing at night and the cast and crew having a ball with us playing, because Corey and I were on fire at the time. Yeah. The rooms would just drag all, attract all this attention. So that was kind of cool. I mean, I couldn't ask for more. And I wasn't even looking to work, but. After long days, I felt like, God, I like to, how can I help? Yeah. I'll always be, you know, I'll do anything. And Kazanji and the producer had asked Billy to go out. And we were invited to go with Billy to a small dinner with Corey, myself, Billy, and, and, and um, Kazanji and the producer. And I, 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 we were just hanging out eating. And I said, is there anything I could do to help you guys? Because I'm, 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 I'm available. I'm just hanging out all day out there. And he said, well, Tomorrow, um, show up early and we'll get you something to do for you. I thought maybe I'll clean it up. You know, who knew? Yeah. I didn't know. Would be a PA or something. And they had me put me in a Gamorrean guard outfit, which was, I don't know how many pieces, two hands, feet, floor, the bottom, the top, the mask. And it was pretty cumbersome because they had to hold me up. Right. The bottom half, if I didn't have the top half on, I was kind of wobbly, so they had to hold me up and I just wanted to do a good job. I kept, um, I didn't know anything about cameras or whatever. I just, my peripheral was kind of off once they put the, the head on. I mean, they kind of put a blow dryer in my mouth at times, <laughs> 120 degrees. Yeah. I mean, we had large sails covering us, but it was pretty hot out there. Yeah. And they, they had drawn the footsteps on the ground, on the floor, for me to follow. And that was it. And I didn't know the magnitude of the scene mm-hmm. at that point either because aside from that they had a lot of other Gamorrean guards as you see in the movie there's always Gamorreans guarding mm-hmm. Jabba but also uh, the stunt guys like Julius LaFleur 
Mm-hmm. And those guys, those are the ones who are jumping into the solid pit off the barge. I had to give it to them because I just had to walk in these steps and do the fight scene with, with Luke Skywalker. Right. And it was, you know, you on a VHS, you could miss it if you blink your eyes. <laughs> the scene. So I didn't think much of that. But I, I knew that, you know, being in a movie like that was an incredible piece of history. Right. And so that's how I got into the movie. I mean, and then Corey, he was very athletic. And he did start doing stunts for his dad. Right. And hanging off the, off the Sarlacc pit there. And, and then they made him clap to you that day. So we were both in that scene together, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, there's a great picture of the both of y'all without your masks on, just hanging out, two buddies on the on the yeah, scale, yeah. right? That's so, so that great. Kind of led, that picture led to where we are now, in a sense, uh, because we had the mask off, and Billy D had taken that picture. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that stuff was, I don't know if it was taken, or you, you had to sign something, you couldn't show any of these pictures. This is, you know, behind the scenes back then. And, right. And uh, they, they didn't, hadn't come out. We had personal archives. I had my little Polaroid SX-70. I was taking some personal archives with Mark. And, you know, I wish I'd taken more. I didn't think I didn't carry or, you know, um, Harrison Ford or anyone. Right. I got Kenny Baker, people like that. But I wasn't thinking like that, too, because there was so much going on. It wasn't like this day and age where you're taking pictures every two minutes, everything you see now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Billy D had taken that picture. And we had it in archives, but it never really surfaced. And then about six years ago mm-hmm. uh, Corey lives in Atlanta now he trains he's a life coach and a trainer and I guess his Dragon Con's pretty big there it's a big convention and Billy might have been doing it if I'm correct and Corey went to see him mm-hmm. that picture surfaced I don't know if Corey started signing at that point maybe he did mm-hmm. he has to sign from Derek our appearance manager right. who handled Billy Billy and that picture went up on Facebook. And once the fans got hold of it, they were saying, you're the one in the bars that killed by Luke Skywalker. To them, I'm like the toy in the poster. Right. It was a little scene. And now they can relate to the man behind the mask. And they said, do you have these people from England? Said, do you ever sign any autographs? I said, no. <laughs> they said, well, would you be willing to sign some stuff? We sent it to you from England. And I said, sure. And I probably got like, 60 items in the mail with a check and I said oh I like this yeah because it was sent me toys and so I signed it, signed them and sent them back and before you know it the pictures have gone up and I, I guess I have my mom's handwriting and they, they were they were kind of making all these remarks about my handwriting how nice it was compared yeah. to a lot of other illegible stuff you can't see people sign they just scribble and that became a thing and then Corey had seen that and he gets in touch with me because we had been in touch actually previous to that, maybe six months a year before about music because yeah. he was getting back into music. And we talked about and at that point, I think we were sending each other tracks to add to back and forth, you know. And before you know it, he said, I was thinking of going out. Why don't you come out with us and make it official because it's better to have those things authenticated, even if it's a personal archive, and go out and do it properly with the licensing. Mm-hmm. And tell our story and do Q and A. So that's how it led to all these conventions for the past six years, which it's 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 kind of staggering in a way, an immense of it how we're embraced. It's Corey and I have a ball doing it and love it, and we couldn't be more happy. And we know how lucky we are. Yeah, 
that's such a great kind of closing of the circle, right? Just coming back together and, and then getting to meet all the fans. What has your experience been like with these Star Wars fans? Autograph fans in particular are just a breed of their own for, for the Star Wars community. And I, I always find it very interesting what, what the actual talent has to say. Well, they're amazing. I mean, yeah. and it's, it's the cool thing is, you know, we've been all over the world, across the pond to England and Europe and and everywhere you go, which is interesting, I see like three, four generations of cosplayers, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. When you see grandchildren, mothers and grandmothers all cosplaying together. So somewhere in that time capsule, it was all fused. And it's continued. As you know, it's bigger than ever. I mean, it's not like some movie from the past, like the trilogy, of course. They have become bigger than ever with everything else tied to it. But it's deceived, you know, and and how it affects so many people in different ways. But seeing that was pretty amazing. The generations, compared to my generation, where rock and roll versus contemporary music with our parents, we always had that, you know, disconnect in in ways until later on it became prevalent to everyone. Mm -hmm. But the fans have been fascinating stories. And the 501st have been amazing because they, everywhere we go, they really embrace us. They made Corey and I honorary members, and yeah. they're very, very, um, very supportive everywhere I go. A lot of levels, and them dressing up—I got to give it to them because a lot of people say, "Do you have any costume? Do you dress up?" No, of course not. <laughs> like they're gonna give me the costume, but people who do wear my costume, and I've seen many versions. Like one guy from South America at Celebration had had one that was kind of. Not latex, but a harder composite. And he had a fan in there, but it was so heavy. Right. And then another guy, he's trying to make, it's hard for latex. It's hard to breathe. So try to get that density at the same time and make it light is pretty impossible. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys last maybe half hour, 45 minutes in those costumes. They know your pain now. They know they know what you went through. Yeah. And it was, I didn't go for, for much, but, <laughs> but even back then, it's funny because if I will first, they make all these costumes and stuff. They make them a little better now, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, I've done Q&As with the stormtroopers and, you know, they didn't think back in the day when the stunt guys were wearing those things, the sharp edges under your arms, they cut you. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of kind of fixed all that stuff, smoothed out different edges. So the outfit's even better now. Mm-hmm. They didn't the original movie in a sense. So yeah. that's been that's been pretty amazing. I mean, the first show I did, Corey, and I did it was like thirty, you know, stormtroopers and everyone did different characters, Ewoks, and coming towards us, and we were like, "What's going on?" He <laughs> made us honorary. That was the first time, and you know, everywhere I go, they, I mean, they make us worldwide honoraries in there's different regions, and you know, they're always there to support us and. Um, dress up mm-hmm. which makes it more exciting than just seeing us signing autographs uh i'd love to talk a little bit about the things you've been working on obviously since return of the jedi you're we kind of touched on it a little bit but a, an incredibly talented musician and and i'd love to talk a little bit about not only your music but maybe how your time with these star wars fans and in the star wars movies has inspired you and um because uh, we'll link to it, but the stuff is great, and, and there's a lot of fun to, to listen to and kind of hear that side of you as well. Well, music has always been my 
my thing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, lately, I just finished the EP, and that was pretty full circle. Once again, all these things, you plant the seeds, and they grow, 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 and then it all comes together somehow. And right now in my life, it's really coming to a pinnacle in that sense. Mm-hmm. And everyone, anyone that survived with me at this point, we're all on the same page, on the same ship, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. Not to be so metaphoric, but that's how it feels. And when I went to engineering school when I was 30, Malcolm Cecil happened to be one of my teachers. Mm-hmm. And I had an indelible education from him and realized that a lot now more than ever. And where I'm really happy with my vocals on it. And in the meantime, I built my own studio at the house and learning how to make a record like that. It taught me a lot that I've been doing that ever since with my, my um, partner, Paul Erickson. And that's another story. Paul Erickson is uh, working on the weather report uh, music now for the soundtrack. Because actually, when I met Corey, Billy D's wife, Taruko, was previous American Wayne Shorter, who's in Weather Report. So I also met the guys from Weather Report and Tony Zawano, mm-hmm. Joe Thompson. And to this day, we still work together and hang out in the studio. And, and um, I've been doing, you know, my studio all of a sudden I learned how to mix and master records because you're able to do that with software now because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of old school we used, to, we used to line machines and tape and it's different now and and it's hard to believe it took a while I had some of the best engineers listening wow this sound like tape saturation even though it's binary code yes it does they the oversampling and, and the conversion rates now really uh, it's hard to tell the difference you know so I'm able to make records here, and I've been busy ever since with all kinds of projects. Um, working with a band called Nutty, and uh, they fuse jazz and rock together in a, in a Sinatra style. Mm-hmm. Like maybe a Kiss song, Detroit City Rock, with a Cold Train tune, but they do that so well. And we did their record, uh, Paul and I, and we just did a guy, Torn Floyd, who's a young artist, who's more dance-oriented, and um, he just got signed. So we're just... Uh, doing all kinds of music and learning uh, different styles. And it's uh, been an amazing time because I could really uh, fulfill my visions as an artist mm-hmm. on a lot of levels, you know. And I also started a new radio show. I do I do a lot of these like I'm doing with you. Mm-hmm. And I, I started doing some stuff for, for Gay Radio 1, uh, which is a network out here, a podcast, and they're out of Universal now. And they, they offered me my own show, Gamorian Sound, which is, also the name of my my uh, label and, and studio and the, and my uh, my I also have a I don't know if you saw do you have a CD of mine but did you see the logo I have yeah and so tell tell everyone about the logo and and, and kind of uh, how you came up with that well the logo I always thought if I get it I have one tattoo mm-hmm. and if I got another one I, I, I thought I'd get the Gamorrean guard well as soon as I became a Disney toy and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, okay, now I'll, I'll put the tattoo on there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it had to be right. And I wanted to, him playing the guitar because I also saw like in, um, in uh, what, do you, what do you call the uh, Lego, mm-hmm. the Lego game. And that game that when you win, the Gamorian guard plays guitar, the Lego Gamorian guard plays guitar. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah, so... I said, oh, it'd be cool to have a tattoo playing one of my 
in this case, my Strat. Right. And so I'm with my girlfriend chasing at celebration in Anaheim, and I'm busy as hell. It's, it's crazy because mm-hmm. my first celebration was there. I've done San Diego Comic Con, and it's a mixed bag, but this is strictly Star Wars. I'm sure you know. Right. And, and they have a, a tattoo alley there, and it's all fine artists that had to be authenticated through Lucasfilm or Disney to even be there. Mm-hmm. So that's a good step, you know. In the right. right. Yeah. So I told my girlfriend, go find one of the good artists because I don't have much time. I'm signing all day. And she finds this guy, Jersey Jay from New Jersey, um, not far from where Kevin Smith lives and out there in Red Bank or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I go look at his work real quick and I said, God, you're the guy. I want to do this. So and so it was the Good Morning Guard. He goes, it would be my pleasure, but I'm working until six tonight and I leave tomorrow morning, but I can come over your house. So we wind up coming to my house. In the studio at like three in the morning doing my tattoo so he's a you know it's become my uh, logo and everything and and you know you always wonder is disney <laughs> gonna say anything but in a way i'm the character it's authenticated from one of the artists and it's playing my guitar so it's it's kind of using that image like everybody else does but at the same time it is my image because i i from other icons you know yeah that's perfect I, right I mean, same thing Lucas did, right? With anime and, and all the other archetypes and mm-hmm. images that he put together, you know, under one roof and just reinvented. Because everyone does that, right? With, uh, right. Something there, make it better. So you have that tattoo and become my uh, Gamorian sound. Because Gamorian is big. Mm-hmm. It's big. To, so it's a big sound. And if I look back, I think it comes from Sodom and Gomorrah, which is another thing. Right. That's a, yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit different, right? Yeah. The root of yeah, the root of the word comes from Gomorrah. I would take. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I was gonna say I, I really appreciate you you coming on and, and talking about your experience and and then how can people listen to your music? They can go on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple. You know, any of any of the above. I'm on all of them. Pretty much SoundCloud. Well, I definitely recommend it because it is it is really really cool. And again, I really want to thank you for for taking the time to talk to me today. Uh, this was so exciting, and I'm so glad we were able to to sit down and and talk about everything. Well, my pleasure. I, I thank you so much for having me, and um, I can't wait to hear it. I hope you got all everything you need. If there's anything else you need, let me know. I will. Yeah, I will call you if, if there's something else that I, I forgot to talk about. I think we. I think we hit everything, though. So, um, again, really appreciate it, uh, and thanks for doing this. Oh, by the way, one the, the last song on the track, Get Them All, uh-huh. there's a marching thing in the chorus, and I always thought at some point I'm going to make a montage of maybe some of the Stormtroopers marching and things like that, just those images flashing by, because that song, Get Them All, kind of has a little theme tied to Star Wars. All right, that's something to listen out for. Um, but we'll keep that in mind. Now I'm excited to see a, a stormtrooper music video. So, oh, well, thank you so much, brother. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. And that will do it for this episode of Talking Bay 94. I want to thank Stephen for his time and stories, as well as his manager Derek Mackey and Cool Waters Productions for setting this all up. 
For autographs and appearances for Steven, you can go to coolwatersprods.com, which is coolwatersprods.com for more info. We'll also be linking to his latest EP on our website, toppingbay94.com. Our next episode continues this 35th anniversary celebration of Return of the Jedi with an interview from Squidhead himself, Gerald Home. So stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.